0: Welcome to Book Talk with Yolandi. This is the place where we'll chat about my books, discuss my writing process, and many other bookish topics. Hello everyone, and welcome to my podcast. I added a new beta reader to my team for A Curse of Venom and Scales. She's also a writer and is currently putting the finishing touches on her debut novel. So, throughout the beta process, we've had long discussions about my writing process, we've talked about tips and tricks to make writing easier, and she's also sent me a few questions to talk about here on the podcast. Two of these involved publishing. Since one's answer flows into the others, I thought I'd combine them for today's episode, which is all about my publishing journey. In case you'd like to hear the specific questions, here they are. Talk about your experience in trying to get the series traditionally published. Which companies did you look at? How did you prep yourself for that process? And what led you to the decision to indie publish? With indie publishing, similar questions. How did you approach the marketing side of it? Okay, so the main reason I want to combine these two answers is that I've never actually tried to become a traditionally published author, until now at least, but we'll get to that. I'm lucky enough to be part of a really fantastic community of writers. The group consists of many newcomers, but there are also some veterans who are always willing to help and to share their knowledge. Many of these vets are hybridly published, meaning they have independently published books but have also worked with traditional publishers. Now, I've spoken about this a tiny bit, but A Study of Ash and Smoke wasn't actually my first complete novel. I wrote a trilogy a few years before Ash and Smoke was published, a series I'm currently reworking by the way, and I self-published those books as well. This all happened in the days before self-publishing had really become such a big thing, and honestly, before I knew what I was doing as an author. (laughs) Not that I know what I'm doing now, but I know a little bit more than I did then. You see, I published those books without ever having them professionally edited. I mean, I had people proofread them for me, but nobody with real industry experience. I chose to self-publish that first trilogy because back then, and this was around 10 years ago, most of the publishing houses in South Africa weren't accepting speculative fiction works, and as a South African citizen, tax laws made it difficult to be published abroad. I have to be honest though, I didn't look all that hard. I don't know if it's just because I'm creative, but I've always been more of a DIY lady. If I can do something myself, you can bet your last cent that I will. (laughs) So the idea of being in total control of the entire publishing process appealed to me on multiple levels. I designed my own covers, I did the typesetting myself, and I drew the maps, and everything was groovy. I never even imagined querying agents or publishers. I was just a happy little indie on my happy little way. But for my second series, I wanted to step up my game and bring in the help of professionals, specifically an editor and later a cover designer. After a horrible first experience with an editor, I found Noreen Dorman, and I wouldn't be half the writer I am today if that hadn't happened. She went above and beyond what is expected of any editor and, with endless patience, (laughs) taught me the basics of the craft. And while I was soaking up knowledge from her, I realized my first three books needed a lot of work, and I unpublished them. The story is good, I stand by that, but I've since learned volumes about grammar and style, and I cannot wait to release them into the world with the love and care that they deserve. The process of writing, rewriting, and polishing Ash and Smoke lasted a few years. During this time, a lot changed. My daughter was born, my husband switched jobs, and we moved to Germany. So when the time came to publish the book, I was in a different position, and opportunities glittered from previously unexplored positions. <laughs> I guess this is why traditional publishing started to intrigue me again, just not enough to actually enter the querying process. You see, the veterans in the group I'd mentioned earlier had been sharing their knowledge and experiences and through their history I concluded that traditional publishing wasn't for me. I'm kind of stubborn, okay fine, (laughs) I'm a lot stubborn, it's a family thing. But once I've made up my mind about something, it won't easily change. For this reason, I tend to be an all-in or all-out kind of person. I don't do half measures. In terms of writing, this translates to being an all-in indie publisher. There are reasons for this, of course. Many people view being traditionally published as a massive achievement, and I don't mean to take away from anyone's views here, but I've just never felt that way about the whole thing. For me, the achievement is in a complete body of work. The achievement is in having something I made out there, even if it just reaches the smallest of niche audiences, and I don't need a publisher for that. Also, and this is a personal thing, but I sincerely don't need the overnight smash success and instant fame. I didn't start writing books to become a household name. I'm well aware that what I've written so far is extremely niche, and my books won't necessarily appeal to everyone in the mainstream, so I've always written with the idea that I'd connect with a small group of readers who like the same weird and off-the-beaten-track stuff as I do. But I'll also admit that fear has been holding me back, and I think this is something that many indie authors have in common. Basically, querying an agent amounts to sending your book baby to people who are paid to be extremely picky. They are flooded with so much content every day that they can't even look at most of the documents, and the ones they do spend time considering have to stand out from the very first paragraph. Which is a really high standard, and I mean, what stands out in a book? My answer will probably be vastly different from yours because we have different tastes, we have different frames of reference. I've also read many articles or tweets from agents who really like certain books but can't accept the query because the market is oversaturated in that genre, or maybe their agency just accepted a similar work from a different author, or maybe they are looking for the same story but told from the perspective of a purple elf pirate in space. And this makes the process of querying very subjective. So the chances are you are going to receive a nicely worded rejection letter if you're lucky and you don't get chirping crickets in reply. And obviously the idea of facing rejection after rejection is more than a little scary. Author friends of mine who are much more accomplished writers than me query and query and query, and only land a book deal one in a dozen times, if they're lucky. And if they have to struggle so much, what odds do newer authors like myself really have? I published The Study of Ash and Smoke with all of that in mind. I'm an all-in indie author, right? And in doing that, I effectively nullified the chances of ever having Fall of the Mantle traditionally published. I didn't know this at the time, but very few agents will actually accept a previously independently published series for traditional presses, and the chances of anyone representing an incomplete series is even slimmer, except of course in extreme circumstances, like if the series were to go viral overnight, then the agents might query the author, but that kind of thing only happens once in a million. So as I said, I was happy as an indie author, the only thing that well and truly gets me down (laughs) is the second part of my answer, the marketing. People are usually stunned to learn this fact about me, as I am a generally chatty person and I have been blogging for most of my adult life, but I'm an introvert with social anxiety. I hide it well. But only because of the, and I hate this label, (laughs) but it explains what I mean. Um, So it's only because of the high functioning aspect of my anxiety. For me, high functioning only means that you won't see how much I'm freaking out because I can mimic being normal pretty well. Neurodivergence, am I right? But being introverted means that marketing does not come easily to me. So when I started this indie author thing, being in charge of the entire process appealed to me, as I mentioned earlier. I still enjoy many aspects of indie publishing, but the entire process? Yeah, no (laughs) I can now say with no uncertainty that I was wrong. I'm not great with the marketing. Asking people to buy my work feels unnatural, And I find myself all sweaty and low-key dreadful whenever a friend or family member actually supports my business. More often than not, I'll ask them not to read my book out of fear of their judgment. You know, because that makes sense. (laughs) I've also learned that my introvertedness extends to social media. And I don't count blogging in this. Blogging is different. It feels like I'm writing an article, something that people will read and interpret in whichever way they want to. And though every blog post is written in my distinct voice, almost exactly the way I talk, the majority of my readers have never heard me talk, until now at least, (laughs) and they won't be able to conjure up a mental image of me while they're reading my words. Social media posts, though, they have my face connected to each and every one of them, so it feels more like a direct extension of myself. And because I'm shy, I find that I'm really willing to comment on even my friends' posts, and I don't chat with strangers. The exception is when someone comments on my post, in which case I'll always reply with a thank you because I was raised to be extremely polite. But the idea of randomly commenting on someone else's post makes me break out in hives. I'm that person who types and backspaces for minutes before giving up on commenting and scrolling on which, as you can imagine, really doesn't help when it comes to selling my books or art. So, after years of trying and failing to market the stuff that I make, after courses and webinars and all the bells and whistles, I've finally decided to outsource. I'm currently working with a young and tenacious social media manager, Ash, who has been running all of my social media accounts, except for my blog, my personal Facebook, and my author Instagram. They've also reintroduced me to Pinterest, where I do pin images inspired by my books, but they do all of the interacting, and it has been amazing. (laughs) The first few months were tough, as we had to create or recreate content for my art business, Lumenlore, and my author business. There was a lot of drawing in that initial stage. (laughs) My hand still kind of cramps when I think about it. But the bustle has finally quieted down and I've had more time to do what authors are supposed to do. Right. Which brings me to the last part of this answer. I don't need to be traditionally published to feel like I've made it, and that stands. But of course, as things go with every creative, there are always people in our lives who will believe that we're wasting our time, (laughs) no matter how many other successes we have, Both my books have been nominated for awards, but that just isn't enough for everyone, so to shush the naysayers, I've decided to write a standalone novel with the sole purpose of querying an agent. I've planned this one out to include story elements that are specifically marketable, as I know that the stuff I tend to write otherwise is more niche-oriented. This book also has to fall in the golden word count range, which means that it can't be as long as the books that I've indie published. I'm hoping that since this is a side project, it won't break my heart if the book isn't accepted immediately, but I'll still have the main hustle dedicated to the all-in indie author side of me. And honestly, I'm really happy with the decisions that I've made to bring me to this place in my writing career, I may have brought in the social media manager a bit sooner had I known back then what I know now, but I think that the failures along the way are just as important as the successes. I might not have learned certain things about myself if I had done things differently. So, if I had to advise the next wave of new authors out there, I'd say listen to the advice of experienced writers, but ultimately trust your gut. If you need the validation of traditional publishing, chase that dream. If you're on the fence about it, try going the hybrid or solely indie route. But do keep an open mind and allow yourself to explore all of the possibilities. And maybe you'll find the road that is suited exactly to what you need. And that, my friends, is a wrap on this topic. I hope you've enjoyed this one. If you have any comments or requests for future podcasts, please do let me know. I love hearing from you and I love answering your questions. Also, just a friendly reminder that my wonderful Patreon family receives an additional podcast episode every month, an exclusive one. Past topics have included how I choose character and place names, how I work with alpha and beta readers, there was an in-depth conversation about Kara, the protagonist of Fall of the Mantle, and her mental health, and the patrons have also met Ash in an interview. If that sounds like the kind of thing you might enjoy, please consider subscribing. You can get a bunch of cool stuff for as low as $2 per month. I'll place the link in the description. And that's it for me. Thank you for listening. you for listening to book talk with Yulandi. If you'd like to connect, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also find me on my website, www.elandihorak.com. The music is River Meditation by Jason Shaw.